Hello there, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. It is Tuesday, October 29th. And we're so glad you've joined us for this week's episode of From the Press Box. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, also the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by my one and only co-host, the man himself the editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, that would be Rick Stevens. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. Quite happy to be here and uh, ready to get on to another episode of From the Press Box. Wow, you're just all business, like right in there, ready all, to All go. business, yeah, yeah, all business. Um, fantasy football went, went well, but um, we don't need to linger on that. National Day, it's something about cats. If anybody knows me, they know what I, how I feel about cats. So we're not getting into that. So I'm, I'm ready to get right to the agenda this week. Well, howdy. <laughs> you mean there's no, okay, oh, well, fine, whatever, cat day. There's no other like fun national days coming up this week? Nothing? Well, there's, I think for you, there's National Candy Corn Day tomorrow. So you can celebrate that if you wish. You know what hell yeah. is? Hell is a place where the only food that's available is candy corn. That's hell. And the only pet is a cat, yeah. Well, I I had plenty of cats growing up, so I can understand I understand people who aren't cat people, but I don't mind cats. It's also October 29th is also National Oatmeal Day. How about that? Is oh, that and good? I de- like for the one day that I don't eat oatmeal for breakfast and it's oatmeal day. Oops. I'm a cream of wheat guy myself, but um, oatmeal's all right. Okay. You know what hell is? Hell is nothing to eat but candy <laughs> corn and cream of wheat. <laughs> cream of wheat is just an extension of pablum when you, you know, I know you don't have that in the U S but pablum. It has babies no and... tech. Like I lo- like oatmeal is like, there's something to at least chew with oatmeal. Cream of wheat is like, it's, I don't know. It's warm. It's filling. It's Canadian. It's, you know. I'm bringing back Amy's Twitter poll. We're doing an oatmeal versus cream of wheat <laughs> Twitter poll. Well, do a breakfast cereal one, you know. Okay, did we versus... all see? Uh, I will... I will. I don't know. There, there is a reward for the person who can find where I can buy the new Kellogg cereal that is out. The new okay. Kellogg cereal that is out is basically the Mille Milo for you Canadian listeners, <laughs> Chex Mix, bits and bites, yeah, par, uh, party mix for my American listeners of cereals. Kellogg's has, it's what you've always wanted to do when you were a kid. They took like Fruit Loops and Corn Flakes and Frosted Flakes and I don't know, all of their cereals. I can't even think off the top of my head. Raisin Bran. um, I said Frosted Flakes. What's another one of the kids cereals? Like like fruit, I don't know, Fruit Loops. Kellogg's is Fruit Loops, right? Um, Lucky Charms, is Captain that in there? Or is that yeah, Captain I, don't I don't know. They took all of their cereals and they mixed them all into one. And I well, could you... not be more 
<laughs> it's you what get you those always want to do packs. as a kid. You've, you've always been able to get those variety packs where the pack is the cardboard box is actually the bowl. And if you really wanted to, you could you could you just you know, rip those open and just mix ones. them all together. Yeah, sure you could. Well, Kellogg's has done it for you now in a giant regular size cereal box, and I need to purchase it. I need to try it. So the all dressed, all dressed. Did you get all dressed in the states yet? The the all dressed we, chips. Uh, we actually have started to get all cereals, dressed. right? Yes. yes, and I am here for it. Need it. So yes, I will do the breakfast cereal Twitter poll. Tell me if you are team cream of wheat or team oatmeal or team whatever your other breakfast cereal of choice is. Results pending next week. Uh-huh. We're all business today, I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, we do have a lot to get to today. Some feistiness on the schedule today. Uh, you want to listen to every minute of the show today. Not only do we have a packed show that's full of great information, uh, there's a great um, op-ed segment at the end, uh, kind of a new segment that we've started. We'll call it an op-ed segment uh, that you don't want to miss. But we have a special announcement to make at the end of the show. Some exciting things happening at Rocket Sports Media, so you don't want to miss out on that. Hmm. Teaser, yes. I'm not telling you now. You have to listen and you have to wait. Uh, so in the first segment, we are going to talk, of course, about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Laval Rocket and how their weeks have gone. Uh, for for the Phantoms, we're just going to highlight a couple of key players. Um, for Laval, we'll talk about their recent road trip, a uh, very important defenseman who's back on the ice. Um, and uh, we'll take a look at how uh, how they're how, how the season's been going. Uh, in the second segment, of course, we have the player of the week. We're going to talk briefly about how development at the AHL level is not necessarily wholly centered on players. And we'll explain that a little more in segment two um, when we also take a look at general league standings, just give you an update on, on how things are shaping up around the league. Then in the third segment, of course, we're going to do Quick peek in on NCAA coverage, that Cole Caulfield guy. We'll see if he's uh, continuing to have his freshman season of hockey uh, at Wisconsin, how that's panning out for him. There's another guy who plays there that uh, Habs fans probably want to hear about as well, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to get to a segment, uh, a new segment that we actually kind of started unofficially last week, and now we've officially named it. So we'll get we'll talk a little bit about um, well, it's a bit of a hot topic on Twitter this week. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, before we give you a preview of this week's live coverage, so exciting! Lots to get That's to. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, so we are going to get right to it, Rick. Uh, Let's first just uh, take a quick look at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Um, They played, they finally, after three weeks, uh, in their fourth weekend of the season, they finally played away games, uh, which is crazy to think that they got to spend almost all of October at home. But they did go on the road this past weekend. They played two games in Charlotte, the defending Calder Cup champions, uh, who are actually struggling a little bit right out of the gate. Uh, They're actually... 
they're at even at 500. They're four and four on the season, which puts them seventh in the Atlantic out of eight teams. So they're actually towards the bottom of the division. Um, and while we won't go into great detail of those games, uh, Lehigh Valley won one of them. Um, well, they lost they lost Friday night's game in the shootout. And then the following night, they won in regulation. Um, both very tightly played games. Um, so pretty good, pretty good result. Uh, 500 on the road for the weekend. Uh, should note that Morgan Frost is continuing to find his groove. Uh, Morgan Frost uh, on, let's see, on Friday night... He do, 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 do. he had a goal on Friday night, and on Saturday night, uh, he had an assist. That goal and that assist now gives him a four-game point streak. So Morgan Frost, Rick, is is starting to put some offense together. I know the, the first couple of weeks of the season, it was kind of the Joel Farabee, German Rupsoff, a uh, little bit of, of Mikhail Vorobiev's show. And, and Morgan Frost was admittedly, in fact, the last time that we saw them and, and spoke with Morgan, that was admittedly still trying to find his feet um, and, and trying to get acclimated to the AHL. And he said, you know, I just want to keep doing what I'm here to do and, and it'll come. And it looks like that that's happening now as he is um, maybe, and, and may, that could possibly correspond with, Farabee and Vorobiev have been called up to the Flyers, so Morgan Frost is probably getting a little more responsibility. And uh, coinciding nicely with the departure of those two, his offense is heating up, and he's now on a four-game point streak. So it's pretty good for Mr. Morgan Frost. Can't imagine that uh, he won't get a lock here sometime sometime in the near future as well. It's it's, um, normal and natural, I I guess, for – uh, players to have to readjust um, their expectations, their sights, their their whole when their when their environment changes and and um, and it's it's a it's a real shakeup when you know you might have expected that uh, you were starting in the the NHL and all of a sudden you're you're um, uh, you're with the 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 AHL team and and it took mm-hmm. him a couple of games to to go through that to adapt um, and and we're seeing that with with the players that have come back it it takes a couple of games um, and since then Morgan Frost has um, you know righted the ship his personal ship and and um, and now leads the Phantoms after seven games in scoring with six points so um, he's shooting the puck he's he's uh, uh, bit, uh, known a bit more as a playmaker and he has four assists for his two goals, but um, he's putting the puck on the net uh, 19 shots on goal. And, um, and, and I, I think he's, he's figured out, okay, um, I'm going to be here for a bit, however long that is, but I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to do everything I can to get back to the big club. And I think he's doing just that. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens for them. I believe they have their first three and three of the year this coming weekend. Uh, so we'll see if he can continue that point streak. I'm sure he would like to do that. And uh, the Phantoms and head coach Scott Gordon are probably pretty pleased to see him uh, coming through that way. Now, of course, with Farabee and Vorobiev up in Philadelphia, that meant Connor Bunneman and Carson Torinsky had to come down. 
Um, and so just wanted to take a little peek in on their production um, since they've been back. Um, we, t- we talked about it briefly um, last week. And, and Rick, just as you said, there is an adjustment um, both of style of play, pace of play, and then the emotional just- adjustment. Um, same goes for when you get sent down um, mid-season, even after you've made the roster. Um, so a little bit of adjustment, of course, for Tor- Torinsky and um, Bunneman. Torinsky, I think, is one of those that's that's a, a steady. He's a steady forward. Uh, he's very consistent. Bunneman, I, when he gets, it's kind of like you know when you're riding riding the hot hand with a goaltender, and when he gets going, I think he really gets going. And it seems like he's doing every he's shooting at everything. In the course of the two games from this past weekend, he had eight shots on goal, uh, three on Friday, and then five on Saturday. Um, and uh, no, no scoring for either one of them, um, but I certainly, <laughs> you know, Bunneman is is well. You've liked him since we watched him last year, uh, even before he he made it to um, to the Phantoms and so forth. Bunneman is one of those guys that's going to refuse to not be noticed, and and putting up shots at every opportunity is the way that he's going to do that. Carson Torwinski is going to play a quieter game, but that consistency is always going to be there. Um, and I don't think it'll be long before either of the two of them are back up with Lehigh Valley as well. Yeah, Bunneman's a bit more of a finesse guy, although um, that that's not to say that he's, he shies away from the physicality. He doesn't. Torinsky is more of a bull in the china shop kind of guy. Um, and and um, so he can he's he's pretty adaptable and, and can play on any line. And, and yeah, as I said, there's a, an adjustment. Uh, two games for Torinsky, three for Bunneman, no points. Uh, but as you said, uh, Bunneman um, involving himself, uh, 11 mm-hmm. thoughts in three games. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about either one and, uh, and them figuring it out, what it takes to get adjusted back to the Phantoms and, and uh, that they will start contributing pretty soon. Also should note other guys who will uh, have some adjusting to do. Uh, it's been, uh, I, I guess, if you want to put it in quotations, a problem for the Phantoms since the beginning of the season. But there's a, a good number of guys who are in the press box every night who just can't get into the lineup. So three of them were sent down to the Reading Royals last week uh, just to get some ice time and get some playing time. And that's James DeHa- defenseman James DeHaas and forwards Matt Strom and Jerry Fitzgerald. Uh, they were loaned to, to Reading for last weekend so that they could get some ice time, get some playing time. They've actually, as of yesterday, been recalled again, all three of them back up to the Phantoms. So um, that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's the nice thing, Rick. There's, there's an example. We talk so much about the importance of an ECHL affiliate. There's a prime example of having an affiliate and have it well in in Lehigh Valley's case Reading is is really just right you know 45 minutes down the road but when you when you have an organizational tier like that you've got three guys that have not played in weeks if at all this season um so 
okay, go down to Reading for a week and just get some ice time because we know what's happening down there. We have a say a little bit, the organization does, in what's happening down there. There's good communication as to what's happening down there. Um, and they can go and get some ice time and, and, and then come back. Uh, so, so good for the Phantoms in recognizing that sitting in the press box wasn't doing these guys any good and, and got them a little bit of playing time. It's just, and for the guys themselves, it's it's when when uh, the team is is part of the organization that Double A Triple A kind of uh, MLB format. Um, it's not so isolating. You you know that it's you know it's it's familiar. There's people that are familiar. They know you. Uh, you're part of the. You're still part of the organization. Quite different uh, when uh, there isn't an ECHL affiliate. Um, and just before um, um, we move away from the, the, the Phantoms, the only other player I want to mention is Phil Myers, who um, mm. has been dominant, just absolutely yeah, dominant. He really has. <laughs> um, uh, he's uh, you know, not so much on the point side. He's, he has four assists in, in six games. Nothing wrong with that. But already a plus eight, um, and, and nobody even close to him. Uh, in that particular uh, statistical category, he's just he's he's been dominating when he's been on the ice, and and uh, um, I, I expect you're going to see him back with the Flyers uh, in the not too distant future. I would agree with that, and as we said last week, at last week, Elaine Vigneault promised the media preseason there will be a lot of roster movement up and down in the first six weeks of the season, and folks, we're really only three weeks into the season, so. I, as Rick, I agree with you. I think there's going to be more roster movement as Vigneault continues to just take a look at what he has both in Philadelphia and down on the farm and who fits with who and who's got chemistry and who can do what and who needs to work on what as he figures, uh, figures all of this out uh, behind the helm now in Philadelphia. So glad to see that uh, the, the young guys who are down on the farm right now uh, are doing, doing, doing exactly what they need to do. They're playing their game and they're making themselves noticeable in good ways. So we will continue to keep an eye on that for sure. Moving over to the Laval Rocket now. Uh, Laval's season has been a roller coaster, let me tell you. Um, they went on a three-game road trip last week. Uh, the week prior, they finally got on in the winning column, um, winning – they played four games in the week. I believe they won three of them. Um, so they had finally strung some wings together after going winless for the first three games of the season. So they head back out on the road last week, playing a game against their division rival Belleville on Wednesday night, which was, I'm not, and to be kind, I will simply say was a complete and utter disaster. Um, and Belleville's behind them in the standings. Uh, but Belleville tends to be a problem for Laval. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's a division rival. I don't know if they play down to the, I don't know. Um, But the senators scored on Laval in the opening 66 seconds of the game. Within the first four minutes of the game, Joel Bouchard called his timeout to try to get his team on the same page, I guess. And shortly after that, um, on a nice give-and-go play, Belleville doubled their score to go up 2 nothing within the first five and a half minutes of the game, and it just went downhill from there. Belleville outshot them 16-4 to in that opening uh, period. 
And of course, Laval then in the second two periods shot at everything that moved as they typically do had a total of 41 shots on goal that night, but could not, uh, could not make the comeback. They lost that one. Uh, it was just, it was a terrible game start to finish top to bottom. Uh, then they moved to Hartford on Friday night, playing against a team who had not yet lost in regulation, um, 5-0-0-1 on the season going into that game. Um, and that game showed some signs of life. It started off pretty slowly. Um, shots in each period for both teams were under 10 shots apiece. Um, the defense was pretty stiff. There was a lot of forechecking at both ends of the ice. Shooting lanes were clogged up. And Charlie Lindgren was doing a darn good job in goal. Um, Ryan Paling got a power play goal in the second period. And so Laval was holding on to that one to nothing lead. And then there was a defensive breakdown very late in the third period with less, uh, around a minute and a half left in the game. A puck changed direction on Lindgren made its way to the back of the net. There wasn't much he could do about it. And uh, in overtime, unfortunately, despite a a really good two-on-one advantage late in the overtime, uh, Laval lost that one as well. So they eked out a point of those two games. And then they visited Providence on Saturday where, again, uh, Providence dominated them on Saturday night. The first two periods were some of the worst hockey I've watched them play. Uh, and I wasn't the only one on Twitter saying that. Um, it was, it was, I, I just don't even, I, it was like they didn't show up at all until the third period. And at that point, it was almost too late. Miraculously, they managed to win that game in a shootout. Um, so Laval walks away from, from a three-game road trip, earning three out of a possible um, six points but really by the skin of their teeth. And I have to say it to be complete. And this is not bagging on them. This is not me being mean. This is the God's honest truth from someone who watched all all three of those games. They didn't deserve to win any of them. Um, So they're very fortunate to have walked away with three points this weekend. And in doing so, they, they tick up a bit um, in the standings and the overall standings. Um, I think uh, during our show last week, they're around 26th, 27th in the league. They're up to 23rd in the league. Um, but that is that is still uh, way below, um, uh, it, it, not our predictions, but the predictions from everyone, from Montreal media, from um, uh, people on fans on social media, um, they were, you know, Calling mm-hmm. this team the best team on paper, certainly in in franchise history, but also uh, by far and away in the in the AHL. And you, and you know, um, you probably got tired of uh, uh, us cautioning <laughs> that uh, just because it's on paper, what do you, guys um, know? Um, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to translate uh, on the ice. And 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 I understand this this roster has. Uh, uh, a lot of players with uh, a great deal of NHL experience, mm-hmm. uh, plenty of established AHL scores, and a great group of prospects. Um, but it's getting them to to work as a team, to play as a team, to uh, execute a particular system, to have a competent system. Uh, all of those things um, uh, 
to 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 be in sync and and so far it hasn't been let's hope that uh uh somehow and 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 you know i i said this with all due sincerity that uh that i hope that there was a period of reflection uh over the summer uh by the coaching staff to realize their methods had not worked at all last year um it was their rookie year too um and um and and maybe after you know um uh, this, this, the way that they opened well, well below uh, expectations that there are some adjustments coming because the first 10 games certainly uh, are not meeting anybody's expectations. And if this continues, I don't know. I mean, when there was all of this, all of these predictions about Calder Cup, uh, yeah. if, if, the rocket don't make the playoffs and, and I, and I'm, it would be really hard for this roster not to make the playoffs, but if they don't, yep. wow, there's going to be some uh, pretty serious questions asked, but you, you're already seeing that the media are, are, and, and fans are kind of downplaying the, uh, those wild expectations, those wild pre preseason expectations that were out there. And, and yeah, and you're seeing people who were saying those things, publicly members of the media fans that kind of you're seeing them start to walk that back like oh this isn't exactly going the way it we all thought it was going to um and that's i mean in the montreal media market if 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 you've got more and more people starting to say that then then <laughs> that's you know that you you have to figure something out soon this week will be a test for the rocket um, they did not perform well last week, despite those three points. Um, and they are facing Hartford again, two more times this week at home at Place Bell. Um, and then they play, then they face their other division rival, the Toronto Marlies this week. Uh, Is it a good place to, to just insert that um, the number of, of games that Hartford and Toronto have lost in regulation in total, put the two teams together and add up all their losses in regulation this year. It's zero. It's zero. Neither team has lost in regulation, not Hartford, not Toronto. So it's going to be a tough test. Hartford is currently eight Oh Oh and one in their nine games played. They have 17 points with a 0.944 winning percentage, folks. They've lost one game, and it was in a shootout. Toronto has played eight games. They are 6-0-2. They've lost two games in overtime. These are two very strong teams who are going to who are desperately trying to you if you don't think that these teams don't want to keep that streak of not having lost in regulation and don't and want to keep adding up that win column they're going to come in with a vengeance to Laval this week. Um now Laval is one of only 3 teams who have played 10 games. So they're 10 games in Rick you had mentioned this to me hey it's that 10 game check-in. So at 10 games, the Rocket is 4-5 and 1 on the season with a 450 winning percentage. So, 10 games in, they are below 500. That is not what any coach or GM wants to see. So something's got to change and it it needs to change quickly before these patterns become too permanent. 
Um, what we will do now, just looking at my notes here, forgive me. Um, oh, we should just mention while one we're other... just while we're here and we're talking about these kinds of things. Um, just you, you mentioned Charlie Lindgren and 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 yes. Caden Primo, and both of both have been um, uh, played really well. Neither you know, neither are to blame for uh, the start. No, um, uh, both have been been good in their own right, um, and uh, I and 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 are are uh, splitting the load uh, evenly. They're alternating games, and that's fine. Um, what I'm seeing <laughs> this week is. Um, Nonsense. Let's t- trade Carey Price and let's bring up Caden Primo because he's mm-hmm. obliterating the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, I've, I've seen some articles. I've seen some mm-hmm. um, some folks in in a in a video podcast. Uh, I, I think it's wow. Um, I, again, like like we said, Priest, just just be patient here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Caden Primo has played very well, a three and two record. Um, but he's played five games, five, five pro games. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a handful of games removed from his NCAA career. Yes. He was goaltender of the year, uh, in the NCAA, uh, but Michael McNiven was goaltender of the year in the CHL two years Where ago. Where is he? And, 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 and he's in the ECHL. So just, and I'm not wishing that, and I'm not saying that's where Primo's no. going. Uh, I'm saying it's too early. It's, it's going to be a while. And give him the full year. Give him two years in, in, in the AHL. Just, just, just be patient with it. You know, um, again, not to, not to compare the goaltenders or anything, but after five games... After five pro games, Zach Fucelli had a better record in in the AHL than does Caden Primo. And where's Zach Fucelli? So just just settle down about the trade Gary Price and and bring up Caden Primo and all this kind of just just as we always say, be patient. Let these guys develop. Mm-hmm. I know there's a there's a prospect there and you get excited and you want to see them wearing the CH and, uh, and we love that, like, but we do look, look at Carter Hart, uh, the absolute yeah. future for the, for the Philadelphia flyers. And what's the, you know, Brian Elliott's been starting a little bit more. What's the word? Well, Carter Hart's fighting the puck a bit. Understandable. He's still That's young. Right. Um, don't rush these guys. Don't start talk. Just, for, you know, if you want to watch uh, Caden Primo in the AHL, watch him, enjoy him, and and end the discussion about when he's going to um, be in the, the Montreal Canadiens lineup. And let's also just put a little perspective on it, because I know there will be those that say, but, 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 but stats. Okay. Caden Primo in his five games has a 1.99 goals against pretty good and he's got a 937 save percentage it's pretty good and yes charlie lingren's goals against right now is 2.95 and his save percentage is an 885 doesn't look as good as caden primo's still decent but not as good so before we all look at that and just say but but stats 
but 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 hey, look, stats. Let me just provide a little perspective to those stats. The way Joel Bouchard is running his goaltending tandem this year so far is a 100% alternate rotation. Why am I saying that? What does that mean? That means Charlie Lingren got the first start of the year at the home opener. And ever since then, each goaltender has rotated every other game. So Lingren played, then Primo played, then Lingren played, then Primo played, then Lingren, then Primo, then Lingren, then Primo, and Lingren and Primo. Every game has alternated goaltenders. Why am I making that point? The point is, yes, Caden has three wins and two losses, and yes, Charlie has one win, three losses, and an overtime loss. However, Caden Primo's three and two and and his numbers aren't a result of him stringing together a bunch of wins because Joel Bouchard rides the hot hand. No. It means that on the occasions, on the very few occasions that the Laval Rocket has managed to squeak out a win this year, and a lot of times those wins haven't necessarily been deserving, Caden Primo just happened to be the one in net that night. That is not taking anything away from Caden Primo's performance. He has been very good, but so has Charlie Lindgren. They have actually both played, I would contend, equally well. If you would watch, if, if any of you had the opportunity to watch the nightmare that has been on the ice in front of them, you would understand why Charlie Lindgren's numbers, being the one who has happened to be in the net for more of the losses so far, are what they are. Um, let's saying that because the stat sheet doesn't tell the full story. Yes, it means that there's been more goals against for Lindgren than there has been for Primo. But I, I just described three games this past week that the team was played some of the worst hockey I've seen them play. Do you think that those kinds of nights are, are apt ways to determine how the goaltending is doing when the entire team is, A, not putting the puck in the back of the net, and, B, is allowing goals, you know, left and right? So, sure, taking nothing away from Caden Primo, he's got good numbers so far. But keep everything in context. And understand, yes, they've each played five games, but it's not because Caden Primo started winning and Joel Bouchard stuck with him and he kept winning. No, it means he won a game and then Charlie Lindgren came in and he won a game. And then Caden Primo came back in and he won a game. And then they both lost like four games. Just yeah, a little the bit stats with, without context is, as I've always said, is uh, it's mean, they're meaningless. And, and, uh, given how erratic uh, the Rocket have played, and and not only game to game, but period to period, um, oh. it's 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 reckless, it's it's meaningless, it's irresponsible to to try to make conclusions out of uh, those kind of uh, five game uh, stats. It it just is, and and as I said, um, as good as as Primo's played. 
uh, Fugali was better after five games. But uh, again, uh, and I'm not comparing the two. I'm just telling you that they're 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 not. Those stats aren't predictors of, of necessarily of what's going to come in the future. And we can we can do this kind of comparison and analysis after 40 games. And, sure. Um, and if if Primo has has good numbers, I will still maintain that he needs uh, a considerable amount of time in the AHL. It it it's for goalies. It takes longer for goalies. You have to go through mm-hmm. um, some losing. You have to go through some uh, where the team has difficult times. You have to go through periods where um, uh, there's call ups and there's injuries and there's a uh, changing team in front of you uh it it there's there's a lot of of uh experience necessary before um we're ready for that conversation about uh Caden Primo's future that's right you did mention they've their performance has changed even from period to period that was the case Saturday night the only reason they were able to force that game in Providence to overtime and eventually to the shootout for the victory was because out of after playing two of the worst periods I've seen them play, they somehow managed to get it together and take control of the game again in the third. So if they can build on that and bring that into, into this week, I think they have a decent shot. If they can maintain that momentum and that consistency that they, that they brought forth in that third period and overtime on Saturday night, that's going to be the key to them getting some wins this coming week. Um, one other one bright spot uh, for last week was Noah Juleson was back in the lineup. So just wanted to quickly mention that uh, really good to see him back on the ice. His first game was Friday night in Hartford admittedly looked a little tentative and I can certainly understand that it's been almost a year since he's played a game. Um, and so kind of just took it easy and was serviceable. Didn't make any glaring mistakes. Uh, didn't do anything overly aggressive, just kind of got his feet back under him. Saturday night, as as terrible as that game was, Juleson, you can tell, started to get a little more confident, uh, forechecking a little harder, um, and really like right now, Bouchard has had him paired both nights with Otto Leskin and on the second pairing, and the two of them work very well together, really strong defensive pairing so I'm hoping to see more of that this coming week and I think uh, as 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 Noah Jolson continues to get more comfortable back out there on the ice I think this could be a big week for him coming up Uh, with that we are going to take one quick break when we come back we're going to go around the AHL we're going to tell you who this week's player of the week is so don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to ahl.report, the home of the AHL Report. 
Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. That's the perfect place to find all of our coverage and links to our articles and videos and all the great content you have come to depend on from the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media team. Uh, In this segment, it's going to be a brief segment, Uh, just a couple of things to talk about here. Of course, we want to mention the AHL Player of the Week, Uh, West Coast Player, West Conference, Western Conference Player, who was playing in the East this week. Um, There's been a, you know, the AHL is slowly trying to get some cross-conference stuff happening, uh, you know, in in the last couple of seasons, and uh, this past weekend, the San Antonio Rampage were visiting the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in Pennsylvania. So um, that was, that was pretty exciting uh, to, to see that kind of cross conference matchup over the weekend. And in fact, it's one of those San Antonio Rampage forwards who is named the CCM AHL player of the week. And that is Mr. Nathan Walker. He had three goals and three assists in the two game visit to Wilkes-Barre over the weekend, uh, which was uh not too bad, to, not too shabby to have a six-point night over two days. <laughs> well, uh, Wilkes-Barre is probably very familiar to uh, uh, Nathan Walker as as he spent a uh, better part of six seasons with the Hershey Bears So, mm-hmm. um, and, and probably recalls that rivalry. So, um, um, you know, he geared up as he normally would as a bear, but this time with the San Antonio Rampage. Absolutely. So congratulations to him. We'll see. uh, By the time we talk again next week, we'll have uh, most likely a player of the week and the first player of the month uh, for this 2019-20 season. One other thing that I just want to quickly mention, I wanted to point out, Rick, an article that you actually brought to my attention that was on the NHL site um, by our friend and colleague, Patrick Williams, um, who made a point to mention something that I don't think necessarily folks automatically consider when they think about the AHL. The AHL is, of course, we preach this constantly. It's a development league. That's what it's there for. Uh, Teams win and that's great. And that's fun for fans. But at the end of the day, the point of the AHL is to develop players to transition into the NHL to feed future rosters. But it doesn't end with the players. Um, the, the American League is also a fantastic development tool for coaching for the NHL. Um, and Patrick went through and, and pointed out coaches who are new to the AHL this year um, and the backgrounds that they bring. Um, he even mentions that uh, of the 23, uh, of the 31 NHL teams, Uh, currently 23 of them have a coach on staff who spent some time in the AHL. So it's, it's pretty important uh, to have kind of gotten some time behind the bench in the American league. Um, And Rick, it's interesting that two of the guys of this, of this list of, I don't know, five or six different coaches, two of them will be familiar certainly uh, to, to Flyers and Phantoms fans, because one of them of course is Scott Gordon 
who returns to the AHL this year uh, after being promoted to Philadelphia last year when Dave Haxtall was fired. Uh, and he has returned to Lehigh Valley. Um, interestingly, he has the ninth most wins in AHL history. He's got 367 wins under his belt. Um, and he's doing a great job with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, has been for a couple of years now, and um, and looks to be doing a fine job so far this season. But interestingly enough, the new head coach for Hartford, who Laval fans should be getting well acquainted with last week and this week, is Chris Knobloch, who was part of Scott Gordon's staff last season in Philadelphia as an assistant coach when Scott Gordon was up with the Flyers. So all sorts of little connections there. But but really a great point that um, – the AHL is nothing to sniff at for experience and development. And that doesn't just go for the players. It goes for the coaches. Heck it goes for the equipment managers. It goes for the training staff. Um, It really is a league to develop NHL careers. It is. Um, And and it goes for uh, broadcasters even. And we've seen, uh, we've seen uh, AHL broadcasters make the jump to the, to the NHL. So, um, it's, it is, as you say, a, a development league, it's, um, uh, uh but th- that shouldn't be, there's some very, very strong, uh, coaches in, uh, in the AHL. And, uh, the article goes on to talk about, uh, Mike Bellucci, uh, in Wilkes-Barre, of course, he was with Charlotte and won the Calder cup last year. And, and, uh, um, Scott Gordon, as you mentioned, and, and, uh, uh, Kevin Deneen new this year in in uh, San Diego, but but has uh, experience as well. So it's it's coaches that uh, are retooling their game. Uh, there's coaches like in in um, uh, Laval who are just beginning their careers and starting to mm-hmm. build their uh, their resume and making their mistakes along the way. And and um, and it's it's all about gaining that experience. Uh, because whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether you're a broadcaster, um, most have their sights set on uh, the NHL. Absolutely. So we wish we wish all of them good luck and and a great piece by Patrick acknowledging uh, some of the more good good work that uh, the American League does for the NHL. Uh, before we head to our last break, just want to mention just. Peeking in at the AHL standings, Hartford does still lead the Atlantic Division. We talked about them a a moment ago. Um, For the North Division, Utica is still leading the North Division. They are the only team left in the American Hockey League this season undefeated. And that's all wins in regulation. So they are 7-0. Uh, for their seven games, looking to remain undefeated this week. There is, I should mention, one team who is still winless at six games, and that is the San Diego Gulls. They are still struggling to put that first win on the board. Hopefully they can do that this week. I mean, we did just you did just mention Kevin Deneen. I'm sure he is really hungry to get a win. <laughs> Uh, So we will, of course, always keep an eye on those rankings for you each week. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, when we come back, we're going to talk briefly about the NCAA. We're going to dive into a little op-ed we're starting. And don't forget, we have a very special announcement coming up. You don't want to miss that. 
So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back again to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And again, I'll remind you to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. For you Flyers and Phantoms fans, you can find us at the Flyers Report. Uh, and those are the places to go to get all of our great live game coverage, uh, links to our articles and recaps and videos and all of it. You don't want to miss it. Be sure you're following us, please. And thank you. Um, speaking of great content, uh, we've been talking. Well, you've been you've had your eye on uh, a certain Habs prospect who's playing for Wisconsin right now, Rick. A little NCAA action. Um, been reporting in for us every week on how Cole Caulfield's been doing. Did he do anything special this past week? Uh, well, that's right. I've watched uh, each of of uh, Wisconsin's games this year, and and with an eye on uh, Cole Caulfield, also Jake Gorniak uh, with the Wisconsin Badgers, another Habs prospect. Uh, and of course, he he blew out of the gate with uh, two goals against um, uh, Boston College in his first uh, collegiate match. Uh, two games, the uh, two goals the next night added an assist against Merrimack a week later two goals against uh, UMD and, and uh, six goals in his first three games. And people were making predictions of, Oh, 80 goal seasons or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, he then had a bit of a drought, uh, uh, zero points um, against uh, UMD on the 19th. Uh, this past weekend, two games against Clarkson um, and uh, the first game, uh, no points. Uh, but was back on the scoring sheet uh, on Saturday with a goal and an assist for two points. So um, Cole Caulfield off to a great start. Uh, don't worry about those two games where um, he uh, did not accumulate any points, but don't, don't get crazy with your predictions either. He's uh, does have nine points in uh, six games and seven of those are goals. Wow. Okay. So we can still be excited. Of course, of course. Okay, good. 
I love, uh, I do love the enthusiasm for these young prospects um, because we're just as enthusiastic about them. We're just also, <laughs> we want to make sure we don't rush them. So good to see Cole Caulfield still, uh, still lighting the lamp and uh, see what he does later this week. Um, I'm sure there'll be a highlight somewhere in there. Uh, we do want to spend a little bit of time on a on a new segment. Uh, you know, in our in our third segment, we always in segment two we go around the AHL, and in segment three we go beyond the AHL, uh, covering other leagues and and junior and and prospects and potential draftees and so forth. And it's a perfect place for us to to uh, insert uh, a new, which will probably be relatively regular segment. That technically uh, we had a conversation at the end of last week's episode that would have that would have would have fit this uh, this segment perfectly, and we're going to call this press box ponderings. Um, reminder to folks who are listening: um, we, of course, are tremendous hockey fans, but we are also credentialed hockey journalists. Uh, we've been in Rocket Sports Media has been around for ten years, um, and so we do have uh, some some thoughts coming from the press box. Um, of course, that's where the name of this this show came from, uh, because literally, both literally and figuratively, sitting in the press box can offer you a different perspective on a lot of the aspects of the business of hockey, and we're happy to share some of those sometime. Um, and that's probably where my happy-go-lucky-sounding, chippy, chirper tone of voice is probably going to end, because sometimes it's going to result in a bit of a rant which those segments have been popular on this show in the past as well. You know, yesterday afternoon, I fired up Twitter. I'm not one who lives on Twitter 24 hours a day. Those of you who do it, I don't know how you all on the hot to, to, to conjure up a text and on the, how y'all do it. Um, it's a, it would be exhausting and B, I just don't have the time. Uh, so I fired up Twitter yesterday afternoon and I had a litany of notifications in my mentions um, and on most days, you know, I would I would see news that would come along like this, and I would say, oh, oh, that's oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. And in this case, it, it's the news that Nikita Sherback had been placed on waivers with his KHL team. And for me, I would have I would have seen it. I probably would have discussed it with a couple of team members offline. And been sad to hear the news. It's it's unfortunate, um, and I, and I'm I'm sorry to hear that that Sherback has been placed on waivers. That that he seems to be having trouble again, um, and that would have been the end of it for me. For I would have made some notes, that kind of thing. But instead, my timeline and my mentions were inundated with a litany of armchair GMs who had decided yes. <laughs> I'm so vindicated. Let me point and laugh like Ralph on The Simpsons and go ah at Nikita Sherback that he's been placed on waivers. And oh, see that he's been placed on waivers. It means I was right all along that, you know, he was just a bust and he's lazy and he has no work ethic. And he's just, I mean, Mark Bergevin is a genius to have put him on waivers because he was obviously worthless then. He was obviously worthless when he went to the LA Kings. And now it's obvious that he's worthless over in the KHL. So yesterday, and, and yes, I, I decided not to engage 
yesterday. I didn't say a word about it on Twitter. I turned Twitter off. I logged off. And as Rick aptly said on Twitter, I'm sure Flyers Rule and I will talk about this in the podcast tomorrow. And so we're going to. We're going to spend a second talking about about this. But for me, my 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 anger and my angst went from disappointment for Nikita Sherback to I am so sick and freaking tired of the dog pile that happens on Twitter where people are so freaking concerned with I must be right and the opinion that I have formed from whatever information I've gleaned from whatever sources has to be right. It has to be. And if I see a piece of information that I feel can add to that narrative, boy, oh boy, am I going to jump all over it and I'm going to rub it in the faces of other people, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, that doesn't seem to matter because the narrow mindedness of Habs hockey Twitter has gone off the charts. You know, someone has a different opinion than these people who absolutely feel they must be right. And it's, it can't be acknowledged that they certainly have a different opinion or a different perspective. It's know that you're making excuses for that player. We love to dance on the graves of others misfortune in the Montreal hockey social media universe. And it's funny because that universe is filled with an awful lot of people who preach on social media all the time about how we need to be tolerant of other people, that words hurt and words matter and we shouldn't denigrate other people. Yet something like this happens and they're the first ones to laugh and point and say, LOL, look at that. Oh, he's a wash up. It's so exceptionally easy to blame a player and call him lazy and say he has no work, work ethic. It's so incredibly easy to, to say that and provide no actual evidence for it. And no, pointing out the fact that um, he travels a lot and chooses to post that on his social media is, is not indicative of his work ethic. I, I challenge any of you to look at your social media timelines and tell me if that's indicative of your work ethic. It's really much easier than placing any culpability with a team or an organization. And this is not me saying that Nikita Sherback is 100% not at fault for where he's at. That's not what I'm doing. But I am saying that people need to get off their goddamn pedestals about how it is all Nikita Sherback's fault. It's the, you know, what, what you describe, um, English has no word for it. Um, so no. we have to turn, we have to turn to, to the German language, schadenfreude, mm-hmm. um, taking delight in another's misfortune. And, and that that is what's so nasty and what is so disgusting about Twitter of 2019. It wasn't always like this. Twitter used to be 10 years ago was a place for information. Um, and and as you say, it's it makes it so it's very difficult to be on. Now, if you have an independent thought or an independent opinion or actually have information um, that's different uh, than the group think that's out there. Twitter can be exhausting, absolutely exhausting 
but for those who are are willing to ride the the wave um, uh, of mindless thought uh, without expend, expending too much uh, energy or time thinking, Twitter's easy. Twitter's really easy. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's really easy. Um, and and we we've seen people with particularly with uh, Nikita Sherbak. This can apply to any prospect, but but with Nikita Sherbak, well, you know what? I've seen a few ga- a few of uh, I've seen Sherbak play a few games in the NHL. Uh, p- plus, I've I've seen some information I read from the waiver wire, and when I put that all together, I came up with a conclusion that makes sense to me and seems to be the same as everybody else on Twitter. So I guess I'm right. Um, have you followed Nikita Sherbak's progression from junior hockey? Well, no. Mm. Were you at the draft? No. No. Have you seen each of his games in the NHL? AHL? No. Uh, uh, no. No. Have you spoken to his coaches? No. Have you watched him in practice? No. No. Have you ever spoken to Nikita Sherbak? No. Have you spoken to management about him? No. Have you seen scouting reports, the direct scouting reports from other teams, other NHL teams about Nikita Sherbak? Have you talked to the the scouts about him? No and no. So, yeah, go ahead and and jump in and ride that wave with your uh, limited information. You want to be liked. You want to be retweeted. You want to be part of this group think on social media. Um, and and it just reminded me, you know, prior to university, um, uh, being being in academic administration, I, I I thought I might want to be a teacher one day, and 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 so did did a practicum, and, and it was a very wise teacher. I was I was responsible for teaching some gifted students, and one of the lessons he gave me uh, was about students who who don't. Uh, take in all the information that they're given. They're just so anxious to please. They're they're so anxious to stand out that before you've even finished asking the question, they've got their hand raised. Me, me, pick me. me. And how do you deal with, and his lesson to me was, how do you deal with that kind of student? And he talked about, um, you know, in the days when he used to have, he's a math teacher, um, feels math, um, he had all of the, the plastic uh, numbers and letters and symbols on, on one side of the board with the magnets on, the magnetized boards are sticking on, yeah, blackboards, right? <laughs> Who has blackboards? <laughs> and he would pull three numbers across, and then and he pulled three threes across, and the hand would go up that student, and the answer is nine. But I haven't even put the symbols in. Yes, but they're going to be plus signs. I, I can see how they're connected. And, and that's what I saw. There's, there's pieces of information out there. And people on Twitter don't know how those, those pieces of information are connected, but they're filling in the blanks anyway without having any background, any information, um, have, have spoken to any of the or, – or have access to any of the sources that I've I, – I, when I was asking those questions that I inferred. And um, they're just quick to, to connect the dots – without having any, any source or any information behind it. 
So listen, is Nikita Sherback, does he have a problem with attitude? No, um, he doesn't. Uh, Even even up to the point of Willie Desjardins saying uh, in Los Angeles, kid's got a great attitude. He's got a great work work ethic. Um, We saw Nikita Sherback, who unfortunately went through uh, two very difficult injuries and almost back-to-back injuries when he was rushed into service too soon. Um, And uh, we saw how hard he worked, how early he got to the rink, how late he stayed. It's not about work ethic. Willie, go back to Willie Desjardins talking about this kid coming up, being plucked off of waivers and blocking shots and doing everything possible to, to stay in the lineup. It's not about work ethic. It's not about talent. He has the talent. It's not about a drafting failure. He has talent. He has skill. Um, the scouting reports on him, the t- the, his hands, his skill, his shot, his skating, um, the only one scout said, talked about to me about his motor that he'd appreciate if he was, he was more of a, 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 a sprint car racer than a, than a NASCAR racer. That's kind of the, the, what, what he talked to me about. And he said, we could fix that. If he was our player, we could fix that. Um, it's, it's, uh, this is a case where Nikita Sherback is a very proud, a very proud um, kind of old-fashioned hockey player where, where in his mind merit rules and there's justice. And if you play hard and you do everything and you, you get rewarded. And, and Montreal is not that kind of franchise. Montreal is not that kind of organization. There's lots of other things at play. Lots of other things, lots of non-hockey decisions, fact, uh, non-hockey factors uh, uh, get rolled into decisions. And he saw that, and, and he's not the only one. Others have spoke up, nope. out about that and been, been mm-hmm. punished. And, and Nikita Sherback didn't like that. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's not, it's not how things are supposed to be. And, and he's the kind that, you know, isn't... He's not the kind that would get his manage, his his agent working on that. He isn't one to say, "All right, then, um, I'm going home. I'm 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 going to hold out. I'm 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 spoiled. I'm a spoiled child, and I'm going to hold out." Oh, gee, I wonder who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and get my agent to to create a fuss. Nikita Sherback um, went and thought, "Listen, um, there's something going on here." Um, you know, Max Pacioretty's out of the lineup. I play the same wing as Max, Max Pacioretty. The team's going nowhere. I, I, you know, why didn't they give me a chance there? They didn't. Why am I playing with Logan Shaw picked up on wave on the fourth line? Why am I getting so? I I had a great camp. What what is going? You know what I I. I should go talk to the general manager and, and see what I can do more. What can I do more? I, I, I can stay in Montreal and train. Oh, when I stayed in Montreal, they, well, they disrespected my family. They, they restricted where I could live. They assigned me a chaperone and assigned me a, a, a curfew. 
told me where I could go, what I could do, what I could. I'm, I'm why no respect from the organization that drafted me? What, what, what's happening here? And express your concerns. What can I do more? What can I do more? And the general manager said, listen, we made our, we made our mind up a long time ago, Nikita. But okay, Nikita says, what's the plan? We don't have a plan for you. Oh, so I'm supposed to just sit in the press box and yeah. So Nikita made the mistake of a reporter came to him and he hasn't, you know, we talked about the kinds of last, last week we talked about the kinds of interviews. Mm-hmm. Nikita just, you know, he kind of, he can't hide things. He can't speak in cliches. Mm-mm. And a reporter asked him a pretty obvious question. Like you've been sitting in the press box um, all this time. What has Claude Julian said to you? Nikita was honest. Julian doesn't speak to me. I mean, and if you go back further, Tarion mm-hmm. wouldn't even look at him in the, in the, no. in the corridors when they passed. Not at all. Um, and and that came out, and that embarrassed the organization. That embarrassed mm-hmm. the organization because all of a sudden they had to face uh, tough questions. questions. And Nikita yeah. was sent down uh, and punished. And Joel Bouchard punished him, punished him, and ripped him in the media and just trashed him like you'd never seen before. Played him and... and then when, you know, his ankle was injured, played him more, some more. And what is going on here? And the conversation with Bergevin was Bergevin saying, you know what? I'm going to ensure that you never play in North America again. I'm going to, I bet you that I'm going to put you on waivers and all 31 teams are going to pass on you. He was put on waivers. Not not every team passed on him. Los Angeles Kings picked him up. And he went to the Kings. But before he did, the Canadians made sure with their little puppet, Rena Lavoie, to have Rena Lavoie contact Luke Robitaille and poison the well. Luke Robitaille, you can look at or, uh, Loa said this guy's not an NHLer. He's he's uh, he was a bad pickup, Luke. That was a bad decision. Why did you make that decision? So Nikita Sherback went to Los Angeles with renewed hope and and um, a team that was struggling and and uh, right away he he played with Kempe and. Toffoli, in first game, he scored a goal and played 16 minutes. He looked great. After not having played for any significant uh, uh, minutes for, for a very long, for months. And it was odd. It was really odd that, you know, the coach was pretty high on him. In practice, the coach said, he's got great hands. He's skilled. He's committed. He's, he's boy, uh, we're happy to have him. And all of a sudden, after a few games, all of a sudden his minutes were cut to two minutes and 
sure back again said to went to see Willie and said, "Hey, man to man, what what did I do? Did I do something?" Um Willie Desjardins said, "The organization has made a made a decision to to send you down. Um you're not in game shape. You've done great, but you're not in game shape." So sent him to the Ontario Reign where if he was not in game shape, he figured he might get top minutes. Now he's on the third line and he saw above him, he saw the tough guys playing he, and his, his um, confidence and, and his, his will and his desire and his, uh, it was, de- it was destroyed, absolutely destroyed. And he made the decision at that point. I don't want. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to go through this anymore. But did, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything wrong. And yes, at that point, before the season was in, it was over. Nikita Sherback made his decision that he was um, going to leave the Kings at the end of the year. He told the Kings, "I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming back. Don't bother offering me a, a qualifying offer." They didn't. Um. And he gave up. And and so, should Nikita Sherback have done that? Should he have given up? Should he have tossed his away his dream? Should he? No, I guess he shouldn't. But he just felt the odds were stacked against him. Completely stacked against him. And no matter what he did, he couldn't he couldn't fight them. And his dream of playing in the NHL, his dream was crushed. He said to us. Listen, I will always be a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. They're in my heart. They're in my soul. They, were, they drafted me with a first-round pick. I'll always feel indebted to them. My kids will wear uh, uh, Canadiens jerseys, and they will be Canadiens fans. But I, it's, you know, I just feel crushed. My dream playing in the NHL is crushed. And he went back to the KHL and, and with Bob Hartley. And yes, okay, Bob Hartley has connections to the Canadiens as well. And, and not to say that there was any shenanigans going on there um let's hope not anyway but i think that nikita sherback because of this this kid who has pride just couldn't let go that his dream was crushed and 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 didn't put in the effort needed in the khl to uh start to rebuild his career he just couldn't get past the fact that he had done nothing uh but approach approach a general manager and challenge him um, and challenge his, his oh, ever so fragile ego um, and was put in his place and was punished. He, he, Nikita Sherback couldn't get past that and he didn't do what he needed to do. That's on Sherback. That's definitely on Sherback this year. But, you know, uh, for those of <laughs> people who've had a dream, for those people that have some pride, for those people that um, uh, they they might understand what's going on there, and I think, I mean, there's there's much 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 more that both you and I could add to this story, but it's probably best to leave it there, <laughs> just to say that um, the Canadians disrespected and crushed Nikita Sherbeck. It's not the first person they've disrespected. We hear that often under this regime. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's something that will be attached to Mark Bergevin's legacy. You hear it around the league. Uh, players that haven't even played for Mark Bergevin or the Canadians, they know 
Mark Bergevin will disrespect you and punish you if you if you don't you know be careful. Um, and Sherbeck got caught up in that, and so it's not a it's not a fault of drafting. It's not a it's not a talent issue. It's not while he was with the Canadians, it wasn't an attitude or work ethic issue. Um, it was some series of unfortunate injuries. Uh, and then his, his uh, continual spiral to be disenchanted from, from hockey. And, and it's a sad, sad story. And the Canadians have done this to more than one prospect and they need to stop doing this. And listen, I've got no personal relationship. I don't, it's not, you know, somebody said, Oh, it's, it's like a, you know, your lost child that, uh, um, it's nothing like that. I care for all prospects and I just hate to see when they're not given a chance, when they're not allowed to maximize their, uh, their strengths, uh, and their potential. I agree with you 1000%. Um, you're right. There is much more that we could talk about regarding this. Part of it we won't because it's, as you say, best to just leave it the where it is. Part of it is because we have respect for the players who have trusted us with conversations um, regarding some of their grievances. Um, and this, everything that you know, Rick just outlined for you is is all things that Nikita put out there uh, in an interview in Russia last year. Um, but they are things that he specifically said to us face-to-face as well. So we can confirm those things. Um, hate seeing this happen and just really wish people out there in social media, instead of piling on someone would at least have the decency to take a step back and try to understand all angles of a story, not just the one that they're fed in the mainstream media. Well, that was a boisterous first issue of Press Box Ponderings. <laughs> Nothing like getting us, uh, you know, we are passionate about hockey. We are passionate about um, prospects. And we, uh, you know, we advocate for all the hard work that these young men put into trying to achieve their NHL dreams. Uh, and uh, that's what we're here to do at RSM, uh, at Rocket Sports Media, and to share their stories with you. Um, so Rick, that means this week coming up, we do have more stories to share. Uh, we've got some live coverage coming up this week. Of course, uh, our own Chris G will be at Poss Bell in Laval covering all three of those rocket home games. So you'll want to be sure to follow along at the AHL report for that. That special announcement I was talking about, uh, Rick, we get to do a little prospect coverage of our own. Uh, we mentioned that, uh, Cole Caulfield's looking to continue to light up that uh, scoring sheet. He and Wisconsin head to Penn State University this week to take on um, the Penn State men's hockey team. And we will be there covering both of Cole Caulfield's game, both Thursday night and Friday night at Penn State. Uh, So we will have some great audio uh, and some insight for you on Cole Caulfield next week. In addition to that, uh, we are looking on Sunday to check in with uh, Hayden Verbeek, Antoine Wakett, and Michael McNiven playing with the Adirondack Thunder. They will be uh, visiting the Reading Royals on Sunday. So we'll be providing some coverage of that and checking in on those guys as well. Um, So lots to come this week, Rick. And um, wow, that was a great show. (laughs) 
thrilled to, to be uh, uh, covering the prospects, uh, excited to bring more information, more inside information uh, to our listeners at, from the Press Box. Absolutely. So be sure to follow along with us on Twitter this week at the AHL Report. You can find Rick at All Habs and I am at Flyers Rule. And of course, be here next week. We will have lots to report on from our travels this week for another great episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. And keep on wishing. Remember.